welcome back to the Al Dente podcast. You're listening to Elaine once again. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Um, like always, it's only been a week since our last one, and we hope that you enjoyed the last episode. I think I've heard pretty good feedback from that one. Um, I know it's always difficult to tackle a um, a topic that can be a bit contentious. Um, so yeah, we are trying to do that again today. So forgive us if we don't get it exactly right, but we're trying our best. Um, I'm here not not by myself. Um, that would be weird. <laughs> so I'm here with a couple guests. Um, I've got Abby Mather from a third year in BDS. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking last year. Um, and I've also got another special guest, uh, Shui Ying San, and she's in second year med at the University of Adelaide. So, um, I guess I'll start with you, Abby. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> good. How are yeah, you? Yeah, good. Good. Um, um, yeah, so Abby's in third year. Um, I guess tell us a bit about yourself or how your ISO's been. Yeah, ISO's been surprisingly good. Um, mostly because usually I live out of home, but because of ISO, I've been staying with my family. Um, which is really oh, nice. Cool. And also it's given me the opportunity to like read a lot more and, and, and watch a few more things, which I'm really enjoying. But Yeah, that's yeah. always good. Um, how about you, Shree? Yeah, I think I'm pretty similar. Um, as we were saying before, it's given me a lot more flexibility, especially since I'm not in a placement year. So I, don't, I feel like we're definitely not missing out on as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's been nice. Um, just having a bit more flexibility in the day and as Abby said reading more and watching more things which has been really good so yeah pretty lucky yeah that's that's been good um definitely more comfortable setting to just watch lectures at home and you can yeah, stop for sure. whatever I, <laughs> you guys can't see this but Shreem's in like this amazing purple robe. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably for the best <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cool. So I also like to ask, um, so you guys have mentioned reading a bit more. What have you guys been reading? Um, well, I just finished a really good book called See What You Made Me Do. Um, it's by oh. Jess Hill. It's uh, quite serious. It's not like lighthearted, but it's about domestic violence in Australia. And it's super oh, interesting. Wow. Like it really delves into the topic and looks at the psychology and how societal influences and, and personal stories and yeah, it, it's super powerful. I loved it. Um, it was great, wow. but very difficult to read. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, how about you, Shay? Um, Well, we just had our mid-semester holidays a couple of weeks ago, so I went through a few books in that time. Some of my favourites were this book called Why We Sleep, um, which was really interesting. Oh, yeah. And it made me regret every single night of bad sleep I've ever had. <laughs> but, yeah, very informative. And um, yeah. I just finished this book called Eggshell Skull by Bree Lee. Um, sounds, it seems like you've heard of that one, Abby. Yeah, it's been recommended to me. I posted in a po- like a podcast group, like, what should I read after this? It was really good. And, and lots of people recommended that to me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think along the same lines of the book you mentioned, it's quite serious. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, even though sometimes it was quite confronting because she talks about... Um, not only her experience with sexual abuse, but also as a judge's associate, what she witnessed in the courts and all the, you know, unfairness that goes on to victims of sexual abuse. Um, so, yeah, wow. I still enjoyed it, even though it's quite heavy at times. And now I'm currently reading Little Women 
which is a classic. Oh, I was reading that too. Um, yeah, I was reading that because I really wanted to watch the um, the movie that just got released, and then I finished it and realized that I had bought only the first half. What? And I was like, oh, it was like the first beginning, and I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna watch the movie. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know it was split into two. Yeah, like the childhood part, and then it comes into like the adulthood part. Oh, that's. Wait, do they have the same name, like title? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think um, some like publishers publish them together as Little Women, and I think, but originally it was published separately as the first one was Little Women, and I think the second one had a different name. Big but... Women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, it's really good to see how people have been enjoying themselves. Um, yeah, I've been trying to do a little bit of reading as well. And I think I've been, I mentioned two books to um, you guys before. Uh, I've been reading The Overstory by Richard Powers and also Phosphorescence by Julia Baird. And both of those books actually tie into what we're going to talk about today. And I've just recently started Sapiens as well by Yuval Noah Harari. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. It's just right next to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been reading that one as well, and it's been fascinating just learning about the history of humankind and also how, you know, how in tune, you know, our history is with nature, um, if that doesn't give much of a hint of what we're talking <laughs> about today, um, which is a bit about uh, the environment, which, okay, I know I say it and people are going to be like, ah, like, <laughs> here we go again, but um, yeah. We'll, we'll get to this after the break, but um, yeah, the reason we've got three of us here today is not only because I'm sure you guys are interesting people <laughs> with good book recommendations, um, but we also know each other through something called Insights Code Green and Doctors for Environment. So I'll start with you, Abby. Um, what exactly is Insight and what's Code Green? So Insight started as um, an Adelaide University club, but in 2004 it became a, like a non-profit run by Adelaide Uni students. Um, but basically it's Insight Global Health is its full name um, and it's about establishing health inequalities around the world um, and trying to prevent those. And, and part of its mission is to educate and raise awareness and also fundraise and it provides like overseas placement opportunities and one of those is dental as well in Cambodia. Um, yeah, so that's Insight. Code Green is the specific subgroup of that which focuses on um, environmental health and how that affects human health. And so a big part of that is education, but hopefully we can also do some kind of activism things throughout the year. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm going to be honest. When I signed up for, like, the Insight Subcommittee, mm-hmm. I didn't realise that that also included Code Green. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, then I was, and, then, and then you um, emailed me and I was like, okay, great. Like, I didn't know this is what I was signing up for. <laughs> I'm, I'm down for it. Like, I'm 100% down for okay. it. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> like a, yeah, but I think it's... Oh, wow, that's funny. I didn't, because I didn't know, but um, I think it's... Good. At least we can talk about Code Green because I was, I'd say I was like a pretty like average student. I didn't really know, like know much about this stuff, but it's really great that um, this stuff exists a and that you guys can get involved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just exposing myself. <laughs> no, um, all right. And Shuying, so you're from Doctors for Environment. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, well, DEA for short. Um, so it's an <laughs> organization uh, comprised of Uh, medical professionals so like you know GPs, gastroenterologists, doctors all across Australia and students who care about the environment and want to make a difference 
Um, I think it's been going for a while. Um, yep, since 2001, according to the website I have in front of me. Um, <laughs> and it's divided into um, smaller committees uh, across all the states of Australia. Uh, I don't know too much about the doctor side of that, uh, but as for the medical students, I know um, all the different Australian med schools have kind of their own um, activities and stuff and they run a lot of events. Um, in SA, we've recently just formed some special interest groups so that includes things like nutrition, which is the uh, subcommittee that I'm a part of, as well as divestment and education. Um, I'm not really sure if the other states have the special interest groups. I think that's a relatively new thing in SA. Um, cool. But yeah, it's really easy to get involved as a student or as a doctor. And um, I remember hearing about it last year um, during O Week in first year. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. But then I just kind of yeah. didn't really go into it. Um, and so this year I'm trying to be more involved. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, cool. Um, and what better time than now to sort of do like, do your research and, you know, start a, a somewhat amateur campaign, <laughs> which is what we're trying to do. Um, yeah, so like I've said before, I'm going to chuck out a huge disclaimer right now and say that, you know, obviously we're not experts. Um, we're still students as well. It's not like we have any sort of qualification in this area. Um, so we're just a couple of students who are interested in this topic and are passionate about this topic and um, are trying to find ways to sort of translate that into our daily lives and also see if other people are interested at all that they can um, have, you know, even just having a discussion about it, I think is the main thing, which is what we're trying to do today. And um, yeah, so if you guys do have any sort of issues or want to raise anything, like more, more than, feel, I'm messing up my words now, feel more than free. Yeah, to, to um, let us know and have a discussion with us because I think that's what I always like to do is I always like to have a good debate um, about any of these topics. But yeah, we'll try and um, include all our resources as well today. Um, so if you guys are interested, you can look those ones up and do your own um, research. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I was just heading to a short break now and we'll catch you guys after then. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Wright Evans Partners. Uh, if you didn't know what Wright Evans Partners are offering during this period, they are offering financial advice to current dental students and newly graduates. Uh, we know that it's difficult during this time and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of clarity into what might happen or what your options are. So Wright Evans Partners are offering financial advice during this current time and also about the government um, programs including JobKeeper and JobSeeker. So get into contact with us and we can forward you on to um, Wright Evans Partners if you are interested in any of that. Thank you so much again to Wright Evans Partners for constantly supporting the Adelaide University Dental Student Society. Welcome back. So um, we are going to get started on a couple of questions um, about the environment. But first of all, um, what got you guys interested into learning about the environment? And I think we'll start with you, Abby. Uh, cool. So um, I honestly couldn't pinpoint what exactly got me interested into it. But as a child, it's very cliche. But I was always very connected with nature, I guess you could say. Like I was always that kid that would run out onto the front lawn and 
and dance mm. around in the rain, like that kind of thing, <laughs> um, and went camping a lot and loved it. And I think I've just carried that with me throughout my life. And and it's something that I've always felt we have to value um, and and look after. So that really started it for me. Yeah. How about you, Shane? Um, yeah, I'm the same. I can't really pinpoint a specific moment. I think um, for most of my life there's kind of been this undercurrent of, you know, being environmentally friendly is good, climate change is bad, Um, whether Mm. that's through, like, uh, high school, for example, in biology, learning about biodiversity and overpopulation, that sort of thing. So I guess I've always had that kind of opinion that we need to preserve the environment and combat climate change. Um, So I think that helped me get into the mindset of, I guess, living more sustainably and wanting to research more about mm-hmm. um, the environment. I think when I really started to gain momentum and want to learn more was when I was learning about veganism because I'm vegan um, and when I was kind of like first getting into it and watching Cowspiracy and that kind of thing, it kind of opened my eyes a bit more about the individual things that I can do to have an impact um, and reduce my carbon footprint and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'm similar to you guys. I was always, you know, like outside as a kid. I think lots of kids are. Um, I used to collect snails and bring them home. And my dad used to just be like, what in the heck is going on? Um, Yeah, I've always been like a daytime kind of girl. So I Mm. like going out during the day. I like going on walks. I really like going to places that have, you know, stunning scenery. Um, I've that stuff makes me feel, I guess, um, or I guess it's that feeling where it's like you feel very small in yeah. this like huge ecosystem. I, <laughs> I know it sounds so lame, but no, it's true. Um, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I really, really enjoyed. And yeah, like you, Shreya, you know, seeing stuff on the news, seeing what, you know, how our impact is having another impact on the environment has sort of gotten me interested into how, what, what are the ways we can do to reduce our impact and even just the little things, um, just anything that can, yeah, just preserve something that I really, really love to, and I don't want to see disappear essentially. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I guess that moves on to our next question, which is how can we learn about the environment and what are some reliable resources? And we'll start with you, Abby. Um, well, I guess it, there are so many resources and I think Mm -hmm. we are really, um, in a time where it's just about picking the right ones. Um, but, I mean, the great there are great intros. Like, the, there's lots of documentaries. Like, if I'm plant-based as well. And so, like, you know, those documentaries about how food impacts the planet, um, they're great. But I'm, I've never actually been a huge movie watcher. I, I'm usually someone that if I'm learning about something, I'll research it. And so, like, go to any science as a journal. Uh, it's huge mm-hmm. and you can just search about it. There's heaps of studies. Um, it's really just making sure that you're looking at ones that aren't funded by particular organisations that have yeah. a, an agenda around it. Um, and, and like with any research you do in dentistry or, or in medicine, making sure that, you know, it's peer-reviewed and, and, and um, it, it's not... Yeah, having some kind of hidden yeah. agenda. But um, in terms of general info, I really love One Million Women, the website. 
Um, it was created by an Australian woman who, and this is a little bit, <laughs> men, you are also, or anyone else, you're so welcome to look at the website <laughs> as well. Um, but it was created by, I think her name's Natalie, because she kind of saw that women made a lot of decisions around the household in terms of like where you buy things and, and um, traditionally um, and mm-hmm. um, energy and that kind of thing. And so the website is a really great resource because it's very entry level. It makes it's very accessible to everyone, but also has like templates for letters you can send to your MP, your emails and stuff, and then makes it really easy for you to take action. Um, and they have an app as well where you can track how much carbon you're saving, which is really cool. Um, but then um, also Code Green, just going to spruik, spruik us, <laughs> a little spruik. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are, we're posting Eco and ISO, which is chips as our doctors for the environment, we're working with them, doing a little collab mm-hmm. um, and posting those chips. Um, for news, any independent news source, I think. I like The Guardian, but um, there are lots. I love The yeah, Guardian. So I love The they're Guardian so, so much. <laughs> but also, like, it just upsets me that, you know, most of the media we see doesn't talk about half the stuff they mention, and, and that's yeah. a bit annoying. And then health, um, specifically for health, climatemedicine.net is something that a doctor in South Australia recently made from Doctors for the Environment, and it's awesome. Look at it. It's so easy to read, like references, everything. It's amazing. Recommend. Awesome. I'm sure you have you got any other resources. Yeah, I think mine are a bit all over the place. I'll definitely check out the ones <laughs> Abby right. recommended because they sound pretty useful. Um, I don't know. I the one thing that really comes to mind is this book called We Are the Weather by Jonathan Safran Foer, which I read mm-hmm. last year. And, um, yeah, I just really like the way he writes. And one thing that really stuck with me was how he talked about how a lot of people view the climate crisis as something that's very far away and mm. something that's oh, like, we'll deal with it eventually or, oh, that's for someone else to handle. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the analogy he made about that was about, I think in, I believe he referenced World War I and the collective actions of, like, massive groups of people in entire countries um, in fighting what, um, sorry, this is a really, like, bad paraphrasing of what he wrote. No, you're um, all good. I would highly recommend reading that book, but he just talks about how collective action and everyone believing in a cause and how that really helped um, in winning the war um, and helped inspire people to realise that they individually could have a difference, um, could make a difference. So I really Mm -hmm. liked that book. Um, As I said earlier, I quite liked Cowspiracy, um, but yeah, I'm not really sure of any specific websites or anything because I feel like I've just um, gotten picked up bits and pieces over the years from a lot of different sources, so mm-hmm. I can't really remember specific ones. But That's Instagram right. is also a great place. Um, I follow a lot <laughs> of like sustainable living kind of accounts. Yeah. Um, so that's a really great option as well. I think in one of our eco and ISO segments, I mentioned this lady who whose Instagram handle is rocket underscore science and she's a medical student in Sydney and she's written a book about zero waste living. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff out there. 
Yeah, and obviously, guys, follow the Insight. Um, I'm losing my voice. Insight Instagram page as well. Um, we've been posting on there, like Abby mentioned, Eco and ISO, and also something else called Green Linings, um, which is positive stories surrounding the environment during this period, like silver lining, except green linings. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I think that ties into um, a bit about my next question, which is, you know, what are the, some of the ways that we can do to help and support um, the cause and what what is some ways that we can um, implement activism? Yeah, uh, so many, like so many different things you can do. Um, I think the first, like the first one though is just realising that all of our actions have environmental consequences and so whether it's buying a certain thing from the supermarket or choosing where your energy comes from or thinking about what kind of fibres make up your clothing um, like all of our choices have some kind of environmental impact so becoming educated about those impacts I think is the first big step and just making the connection between them is massive but I mean personally like going plant-based is huge there are so many studies on it um please uh just look into them um yeah that's a a massive thing you can do but um I just want to mention something that isn't talked about as much is like climate change is huge but as Sherwin was saying like um like biodiversity is something we don't talk about as much but like um there's a lot of evidence to say that we're currently in or like on the precipice of a sixth mass extinction with um, Mm -hmm. like the last one being 65 million years ago with the dinosaurs. And so thinking about biodiversity loss is also a massive thing and that comes from habitat destruction, which is also linked to animal agriculture Mm -hmm. and and deforestation and that kind of thing. And so um, there's a huge amount of ways uh, to to change your impact. Um, If there's one I'd say do right now, because, I mean, we have time, at the moment is like switch your bank and your super to ones that don't invest in in fossil fuels because I actually just watched a video this morning by Friendly Geordies if anyone knows him he's um very verbose <laughs> um, I don't his, his videos are great they're really funny but um he's also very educated but you can tell he's very left-leaning. Like, I'm not going to say he's a completely unbiased news source. But he um, looked into it and apparently um, if just 7.7% of Australia switched to ethical super funds, so to a super that doesn't invest in, in gas or oil or coal, that'll be enough that the renewable industry won't need any subsidies at all. And, like, renewables are already cheaper than fossil fuels, but the government refuses to kind of treat them that way. Um, and so you, they won't need any government assistance for Australia to be 100% renewable because that money will have been taken out of fossil fuels and put, in it, put into... No, put in into... <laughs> put into... Um, green energy, which I think is amazing. So switch your super, switch your bank... Um, make your money help the environment instead of be detrimental to it yeah exactly and I think it's always that first step is the hardest which is just um trying to think about it and actually do your own research I think as soon as even like me I didn't really think about it much until I got more or so into code green um which was you know just this year I think as soon as you make that first step you can't really stop it's like okay now what can I do? Like what's more, like what, what are my actions doing that are causing consequence? Um, and I mentioned this before as well to Abby. Um, uh, 
in a Code Green meeting way back how, um, you know, in Australia it's easy for us to ignore that there is something happening um, because we're so fortunate in our um, environmental situation and also the fact how a lot of our stuff is, you know, offshore processed. Mm. Um, but even for me, I come from a Chinese background, you know, I've been to China multiple times and obviously if you're going to talk about climate, um, then China will come up and how there's, you know, obviously the environment and pollution is a huge issue in China. And um, that's not, I'm not trying to start any like fights. Um, but I guess my point here is that, um, you know, even people in China are so concerned about the environment. Like it's not just people outside of China and it's not just, you know, like the rest of the world thinking that, oh, you know, China thinks it's okay. Like this is, I'm generalising here, but I think it's important for the people in China who are faced with this every single day that for them this this is a, a huge issue as well. And um, it's not like, you know, some people are the mindset that, um, you know, it doesn't matter what we do, there's always going to be someone else who's going to, you know, do something and then pretty much just cancel out what we're doing. But I feel like anything that you do will be good and that any small thing you can do will eventually even, um, it, you know, have a good consequence at the end. Um, and that at, at the end of the day, it's about all these little small things and, you know, things things do start with one person as well. Like, you know, if, if everyone's one person and they do something, then that will make a difference. So I think if people think that, oh, I'm just one person, it's not going to make a difference doesn't really make sense because at the end of the day if everyone everyone is still one person so that they can still make a difference mm. I'm not sure if I explained that very no, well no, yeah, but, um, I liked it. yeah <laughs> thank you um yeah have you got any other sorts of bits of advice Shane? um yeah I think I definitely agree with what you two said previously like I was going to bring that up anyway just about how powerful individual actions are and I really liked the statistic you mentioned Abby about how we only need seven percent of Australians to divest their super in their bank so it just really shows that you know you can make a difference and yeah as you said Elaine if everyone thought that way then it would be really easy for us to make a change because yeah um, you know I've heard the opinion that oh you know again like I'm just one person my actions won't have any benefits or consequences or this is for you know the big like coal and fossil fuel industry to handle which you know it is their responsibility as well obviously um but I think it's very encouraging if people could see that the things they do can also have such a huge impact um I think I read on a bag of sultanas the other day something that said like <laughs> Period. We vote for the world we want with the choices we make. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's really good. Kind of, that's that. pretty cool. Like, very philosophical from a bag of sultanas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> a bag of sultanas. We're yeah. all just one, one sultana in a bag, you know. You need all of <laughs> yeah. the sultanas to make a difference. Exactly. You need all the sultanas to fill the bag up. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that's... Um, the main thing that I would stress, and yeah, as you two have mentioned previously, um, I think some of the things that I'm really passionate about are, you know, going plant-based. I think that couldn't have such a massive impact on the environment. And, you know, we did an eco and ISO segment a few weeks ago about how eating less meat can really help bring down greenhouse gas emissions. 
um, and also the fast fashion industry, I think. Mm. Yeah, like you through, yeah, like we have purchasing power and we can help shape. Exactly. Yeah, like we can help shape um, the world we want to make through the companies that we support. Definitely. And I think also take the next step from that is being vocal about it to those companies because, like, we, we live in a society where, you know, the free market controls, like, consumers control kind of what what the market does. And so, like, mm-hmm. um, you have, like, okay, for the an example, in energy is, like, renewable energy switching to a renewable provider. Um, but then telling the provider that you were with that, the reason you're switching is because they're not with renewable energy. That's like the next step, making it known to co- like companies that you want to support a future that protects the environment and values it, not degrades it. And so I think that's the next step from that. So voting with your money, but also like using your voice too, I think it makes a huge yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we're not trying to like guilt anyone here. No, like no. No, no, yeah. Um, we're essentially just trying to say, like, look, here are some options for you. Um, you know, obviously do your own research, come to your own conclusions. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, just get started, um, get informed and make your own decisions. And, you know, even doing that, as we've already talked about, can have an impact. So even that small step can change things uh, and even if it's amongst yourselves and your friends and if you start even talking about it I think that raises conversation it makes people think about things as well and then you can you know like this is a terrible analogy but like think of a virus if you have different like people um, in different pockets of the world uh, spreading little bits of that information then it could spread to a much wider population and I think during this time is kind of like a time of reflection since we are all self-isolated and I think we're all sort of confronted with the fact that you know you don't actually need that much to you know find ways to enjoy yourself and there are lots of important things during this time that I think we're all realizing that you might have forgotten during quote-unquote normal life um you know like you know you don't need the newest stuff you don't need the newest clothes you don't need more things it's about I think the quality over quantity as well I think is what I'm trying to come to definitely definitely yeah um so we mentioned a couple of insights uh Code Green and Doctors for Environment uh, social media campaigns at the moment so we had Eco and ISO um and we've been posting that every Thursday on the Insight Instagram page um so have a look on there and I think um I've been reposting it as part of the Dan Society as well um and also I think the Med Society so yeah if you guys have seen that cropping up yeah please click on it and have a look <laughs> <laughs> again um we had one last week um, I just thought I'd mention this about alternative milks um so obviously from a dental perspective it seems a bit contra you know indicative to think that um maybe switching to alternative milks as opposed to normal milk which we know as dental students has casein it has mm-hmm. um <laughs> it has calcium which is good for the teeth it's good for the demon remin cycle um we just wanted to point out that the point of that post was as a suggestion um and also it was uh indicated on there that like if you um can switch to the milk 
consider it. I'm not trying to force anything. Um, and if you have a well-balanced diet, then it is a really easy switch to make. And also, um, I didn't add on the actual post itself, but alternative milks um, are do contain calcium. Um, so as long as you read the, the nutrition labels of these sorts of things, you can see how, um, yeah, it's not necessarily um, as simple as, oh, you know, like the, we think that alternative milks are going to completely replace milk. Um, <laughs> maybe, but yeah, there's more to it. Like people do think about the nutri- nutrition ra- value, but yeah, I think the more important thing here is to do your own research. Um, Definitely. About these things as well. I think there's so much research out there as well. Like you just have to quick Google any of this and you'll find stacks and stacks of research. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Look into it, everyone. <laughs> yeah, just look into it. Um, yeah, and like I said, start with research, start with talking about it. I mean, talk to us about it. I think we're all pretty friendly. Um, also, you know, obviously, like I said before, we're not experts. Um, we're not saints either. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if I don't make, you know, every single ecological decision, and that doesn't discount from doing any sort of, um, environmental decision I think wait okay I wanted to find this stat but it's from one million women who sourced mm-hmm. it from someone else but um they made a post saying that just one vegetarian meal a week so one vegetarian meal a week that's a meatless Monday dinner um saves the greenhouse gas equivalent of driving almost 2,000 kilometers and so like I just think it, it shows that small differences small changes can make really large differences Mm -hmm. um yeah I think it's also important to to recognize that we're living in a system that makes it impossible for us to be perfect you know like exactly um, which means that there needs to be system change as well um which is why now I'm like everyone should be an activist even though I used (laughs) to be like not at all into activism now I think you know use your voice because we've got the opportunity to like Use it as much as you can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that, again, feeds into the whole collective action thing. And, mm. yeah, I love reading those sorts of statistics. It's like, wow, like I, I feel empowered and, like, my choices are making a difference. And um, yeah. similar to that, another thing I wanted to mention earlier, but I forgot, is the um, Eat Lancet Commission, which I believe, was, I think it was led, don't quote me on this, by um, <laughs> Professor Walter Willett, who's the Harvard... Um, chair of the Harvard School of Public Health and um, it, it the gist of the Eat Lancet Commission was to find um, the most eco-friendly but also nutritionally dense diet that the world could adopt um, because with the growing population and everything, we need to find a way to sustainably feed that many people. And so what the Eat Lancet Commission showed was that a pr- predominantly plant-based diet is not only good for your health, but also good for the environment. So, you know, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, so I quite like that uh, study. So, yeah, you can look into it if you want. I think they have um, a summary or an overview of the report where, like, they put in lots of pretty graphics and things like that. So, yeah, check it out if you have a chance. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I think it just coming back to, like, yeah, simple documentaries, you know, I love... Um, David Attenborough, I think he's a legend. And um, I think that's really easy ways at least just to confirm, well, not really confirm, but solidify how amazing nature is and that, it, you know, the evidence supports 
um, that the way that we're going, a lot of that will probably disappear if it hasn't already. Um, like I was reading in Sapiens, um, the novel, uh, it mentioned how, you know, humans are the single most destructive species on the planet, not just in our lifetime, but, you know, in prehistoric era, um, we had the, you know, the migration of, if if this is what you sort of um, believe in, I don't want to like step on that territory either, <laughs> but uh, if we're looking at fossils and that sort of evidence, um, it shows that, you know, when humans sort of stepped into each new continent that was followed by mass extinction, extinction especially of um, megafauna. So even in Australia, um, we used to have, you know, huge animals. And I think like 95% of those species have disappeared. Um, and that was coincidentally the same time as when it is uh, it was discovered that humans stepped onto this planet. <laughs> I mean, this continent, not this planet. <laughs> um yeah, so, yeah, what I'm trying to say, is if you love your animals, um, maybe try and do something so that they don't disappear. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's looking like it might even happen in our own lifetime. We're having so many species disappear, which is such a huge shame. Yeah, I was actually reading a bit more about this in preparation for this podcast. Um, I was like, <laughs> oh, I better come with fresh stats. Um, but apparently in the last... 40, 50 years, 50% of wild animals have been lost. And that's not species, that's in terms of how many animals there are. That's land, mammals. Mm -hmm. But in terms of species, um, the extinction rate, so they talk about a background rate of extinction as the regular rate, and it's about, it ranges between 0.1 to 2, with 2 being like an overestimate to be conservative in our kind of workings. But at the moment, mm. they think that the current rate is between 100 to 1,000 times that, and that's because of our impact. And I hear you saying, that's a huge like uncertainty. Why is there such a big range in that number? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's because we, we don't know all of the species that exist. Um, like, there are so many undiscovered ones. Um, and it's also really difficult to determine once a species is, it, is extinct. Um, because there are really strict criteria it has to meet. Um, but, yeah, so we're, we're losing a huge amount of biodiversity. And it's not just, like, if you love animals. It's, it affects our health. It really affects mm-hmm. our health because if ecosystems start collapsing, it's like a snowball effect and you lose a lot of biodiversity. Um, and things like pollinators, like bees, the bee extinction <laughs> is nigh. Um, yeah, exactly. And we rely on those things to for our food sources and also with filtration of water systems. Absorption of carbon in the ocean is by phytoplankton. There's a lot of that and, like, they're struggling as well because of ocean acidification and, and yeah, it's just whole ecosystems that affect us and we're a part of. um, I read a stat that's, like, we're 0.1% of biomass or something and we've, like, influenced 83%, like, been destructive mm-hmm. on 83% of all other biomass and it's pretty crazy, mm-hmm. pretty crazy stuff. And in relation to coronavirus and stuff, like the less biodiversity you have, like the easier it is for pathogenic or like viruses or bacteria yeah, to spread exactly. through and affect us. Yeah. Exactly. And I think even if there are sceptics out here, I'm of the notion that, okay, in dentistry and I'm sure in medicine as well, it's all about preventative measures, right? So in my eyes, 
even if you don't believe that it's true, what's wrong <laughs> with at least trying and preventing and see if there's any change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what I am of the party. So even if, yeah, even if you, even if we disagree in my, at the, ba- at the end of the day, it's like, well, why not see if there's any change? And then, you know, to me, it doesn't seem, I guess, logical to find, okay, if we're pumping this much gas into the air, even if you have to like just go to a power plant or just go to somewhere manufacturing um, and just look at it, to me, it doesn't seem to compute that this is a good thing. Like, I don't think ex- there's much value in excess at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So if it's not going to make that much difference for me, then I don't really mind making that switch. Yeah, I think um, I remember seeing an image or a quote somewhere saying that, okay, so this is the way we're currently going. If we change the way we live, become more sustainable, that sort of thing, and nothing changes, well, then life just continues as normal or, you know, exactly. we, use, we use a few less plastic cups or something like that. But if we continue going the way we are and things do get worse, then it'll become apparent and we could have avoided that if we'd just chosen to live differently in the past. Yeah. Exactly. And it's always harder to treat than prevent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that that notion of looking back, like imagine in 10 years' time, like part of what drives me is in 10 years' time or five years' time or whatever it is, going, I don't want to be in a position where I'm like, why didn't I do more when I had the opportunity to? Yeah. And I think that's a real driver. And especially for people who who want to start families and that kind of thing, like the impact it has, yeah, I just think... There's so much opportunity for us to take a stand and and, and literally fight for our lives. <laughs> so exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I really encourage anyone to get even slightly more involved because it does mm-hmm. make a difference. Even slightly is better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our, everyone doing it imperfectly is so much better than a few people doing it perfectly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Sure. Definitely. But I think that's a good. Um, sentiment to kind of (laughs) (laughs) close on Um, yeah like I think the last thing we want to do is offend anyone so we tried I think we tried our best to avoid that (laughs) Um, like yeah we're not saints we're not experts Um, here's just information take with it what you want and you know get in contact I mean if you want to discuss about these things I'm sure each of us are very happy to talk about it um, and get involved with Code Green, get involved with Insight, get involved with Doctors for Environment. Um, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. Um, and, yeah, any final words from you guys? Um, I, I just want to quickly bring up something that yep. I uh, discovered uh, recently. And, I mean, it's for many people it's not a new revelation, but um, with fossil fuels in Australia, Australia is the number one exporter of coal. Um, and so whether our country emissions are low, we're still contributing to the worldwide um, mm-hmm. emissions. But in Australia, there's about, the number varies, but about $12 billion of subsidies that go toward fossil fuels, um, which I thought was insane because that's our taxpayer money that's literally fueling this industry. Um, mm-hmm. And And on top of that, something that really angers me and hopefully angers you too is so many of these companies like Gina Reinhart and that kind of stuff have actually been putting money into climate 
skeptic think tanks and bots that have yeah. like spread so much misinformation and created this really deceived the public and I cannot wait for lawsuits to happen against these companies because they're they're harming the earth and they're harming us and yeah I just I hope that makes you angry and motivates you to go yeah, exactly. no that's not okay I'm not okay yeah, with and that. it's and the people benefiting from this it's kind of like I don't know to put it simply like the rich getting richer exactly and then it, it filters into everything else at yeah. the end of the day and it's like you know you know, make informed decisions yeah. and make informed choices. Um, I'm sorry to bring this up now, but like even in a couple of the books that I've reading, how in the past, you know, you see like the suffragette movement, um, how it was, how it built slowly over time, but you don't really see that. All you see is the big protest at the end and the big bang and the battle and then boom, where everything solved and that's all that needed to happen. You just have to wait, um, which is wrong because, um, you know, history favours the victorious, you know, we already know that. Um, but, you know, you don't hear the stories of, like, the little people like us, like, trying to, like, fight our little fights mm-hmm. and spread the word. I think that that's equally, if not more important than, you know, the the final sort of battle, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And also, now I'm just like, actually, I have to say Go for it. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I got involved in activism last year and the real catalyst for that was the election because I went, oh, people, something needs to change. Our action towards the climate needs to change. And um, I got involved with it in, I got, Um, but I started getting involved with it last year in May. Um, And in the time that I've been involved, there's been like huge things that have happened that are real successes and like I can show that the impact of a few people just standing up for stuff is making lasting differences. Like one that was heavily publicised was Equinor pulling out of drilling out, drilling out, of (laughs) drilling in the bite, um, which I'm involved with the Australian Youth Climate Coalition and we had a huge campaign on that and we were talking to ministers in in the state parliament and and talking to them about pledging against it and not subsidising it and holding rallies and flyering and and being really strategic about the way that we targeted that company and eventually they pulled out. And that's been a huge... It's not just Equinor that's tried to drill in the bite. It's happened with other companies in the past. And so stopping that from happening is a huge success and it represents that little people can do big things. Exactly. Um, And things like GHD, who are involved with the Dani, we had a campaign against them. And I want to make it clear that... Um, activism isn't about like throwing paint. It, it, a lot of it is communicating yeah. with people and, and talking to staff about their opinions and, and why they feel a certain way and trying to just have conversations with people about what they, they think. And it's not about yelling, mm-hmm. uh, you know? It, it's yeah. so much more than that, than that small fragment of activism. It's, it's really about making sure that everyone is heard and... Um, things are just and so that was a huge success when GHD decided not to renew their contract with Adani as they were planning to because it meant that Adani no longer had the design for the infrastructure they needed for certain parts of their mine to keep progressing and so really held Adani up and then there's other (laughs) smaller things like um, earlier in the year like I emailed and mailed a letter to all of my 
like the environment minister and the energy minister and my local member of parliament um, on a state level and then my federal member asking for them to commit to 100% renewable by 2030. And then two months later, our state government came out and committed to 100% renewable. And I'm not saying my letter did that. It didn't. But... (laughs) And I could have. Everybody definitely played a role. <laughs> I hope so. I like to think that, but <laughs> but everybody's voice can make a huge difference if you just use it. Like we're so blessed exactly. to be able to use it in Australia. So try exactly. and make the most of it. Yeah, for sure. I think. Yeah, that's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. No, you're good. <laughs> yes. Um, another thing that popped into my mind earlier that I forgot about until just now was um, what we were saying about how. Australians sometimes can't see the impact that their actions have on the climate. And Mm -hmm. another one of the things that really made me angry when I was first getting into environmental activism was the fact that it disproportionately affects so much of the world. Like the biggest polluters don't have to deal with the consequences. And yet there's countries like Bangladesh who comprise such a small amount of the total amount of greenhouse gas emissions in the world, yet they're suffering a lot worse than a lot of the biggest polluters. Um, Yeah, so even if you can't see the consequences of your action directly, there's, um, yeah, someone else who might have to suffer from that. Sorry to bring down the um, tone there. No. No, that's okay. So important. It's like, yeah, you're part of the problem, but you can also be part of the solution at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully you guys aren't like, this is meant to be a supportive um, act. So, yeah, like Abby, you know, she's, you know, it's only been, what, like a year's journey for you yeah. and um, there's already been a shape that's being made. And so, yeah, it just goes to show that small decisions can make big differences. And it's all just about starting and just getting informed and having conversation. Otherwise, there's not going to be a conversation. There's not going to be a discussion. And people in power um, are going to have their own gender. And, you know, it kind of just, like, breeds more of the same, whereas you want to have other people giving up, the, you know, their ideas. And whether that be for environmentalism, but, you know, this can extend to, like, all sorts of other different um I guess, activism kind of stuff as well. Um, As long as people are having a discussion and they're talking about it, I think that's important at the end of the day. Mm, Definitely. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, Sorry that that, you know, (laughs) we can't step over, like, lots of things and be like, oh, no, like, (laughs) please, guys, don't hate us. Um, Yeah, please don't hate us. Um, (laughs) If you didn't like... Exactly, talk to us. Um, if you didn't, if you just don't disagree or anything, like, let us know. Like, that's the whole point of what this is about. Um, but yeah, I hope you take something away from this podcast, and I'll leave the resources in the description as well, so you guys can have a look at those ones. And yeah, I hope you guys are doing well in ISO. Thanks for having us on. Thank you so that's much. That's okay. <laughs> So for next week's podcast, um, I will be having a special guest, Jeremy Lee. So he makes one half of the awesome student affairs executive pair um, and we'll have a chat to him as well. So stay tuned for that one for next week.